It's Monday, OG, and you know what that means. It means two things. Time to do another podcast? It, it Three things. It is uh, Captain Crunch Day here in the basement. Oh, yes, sir. It's number one. And time to do With another Crunch podcast. Berries. Yes. And number three, time for our shout out to the men and women in the U.S. military, keeping us all safe all weekend while we had some fun out and about. So on behalf of the men and women of Navy Federal Credit Union and the team here in the basement, a big shout out to our military. Let's go stack some Benjamins, people. Is this your place? No, 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 no. I live with my mom. Oh. Yeah. You hungry? Hey, Ma, can we get some meatloaf? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I know that TikTok and Billie Eilish and inflation are what all the kids are talking about these days, but who's done the hard work at figuring out how inflation has translated into the cost of sandwiches? Here to fill in that huge gap in human understanding with the findings from his annual sandwich survey and maybe the best way ever to look at inflation, it's Len Penzo. Plus, we all love Sylvester Stallone, don't we? I mean, from Rocky to Rambo and Judge Dredd to Ray Tango and Tango and Cash, what's not to love? But even with all those blockbuster movie earnings, that didn't stop Stallone from talking about hitting hard financial times. During our headline segment, we'll discuss Stallone's candid thoughts. And finally, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to Anna, who has a question about funding a backdoor Roth IRA. And of course, I'll make sure you get some incredible trivia. And now, two guys who think a cheese sandwich is borderline child abuse, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I love it when Doug calls back to the old days. Them's fighting words. They, they were fighting words. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fighting Words for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and Len Penzo and the Sandwich Survey. Is this, a, this is an episode we look forward to every year, OG. A little, uh, a little inflation learning. It is the funnest way to learn about inflation, and Mr. most fun. Mister Penzo, ready to make his splash as usual down here in the basement. We got a couple headlines. We're going to talk about Sylvester Stallone. What's your favorite Sylvester Stallone movie? First Blood. Duh! You didn't even. There was like nothing. Just that. That was quick. That or the uh, what, what? What was the one where he was the mountaineer guy? Do you remember that one where he had to like climb the mountain, but he was like in always in a t-shirt and gym shorts or something like that? It's like it's pretty believable. Why wouldn't you be? That's not the way you go mountain climbing. No, that's not how I would go mountaineering. In fact, how I go mountaineering is generally to watch other people go mountaineering. That's the best way to mountaineer. I'll tell you what, mountaineering from the safety of your sofa is—it's uh, every bit as scary watching Free Solo. Like really close to the movie screen. People haven't seen Free Solo. You got to go see Free Solo. Yeah. But not the topic today. We've got Sylvester Stallone. We got our TikTok minute that our friend Meredith sent us and Len Penzo waiting in the wings. Let's get ready to get this party started. But of course, first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, now we can get the party started, OG. Len Penzo, Sly, Meredith's TikTok, bam. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from NikkiSwift.com, a site 
talking about all the stars. Sylvester Stallone gets candid about being broke. This is written by Jerusalem Jovan and Luke Grelia. Actor Sylvester Stallone's come a long way since his days and his aspiring actor and screenwriter Stallone acclaimed fame and became a household name. Wow, that's not even a full sentence. As the writer and star of his 1976 Academy Award-winning film, Rocky. The success of his writer debut made him one of Hollywood's most in-demand stars and paved the way for a series of Rocky sequels, as well as five Rambo films. Prior to his success from Rocky, Stallone lived as a struggling actor while reflecting back on this period in his life. The Oscar winner candidly shared what he learned from being broke. I am not the richest, smartest, or most talented person in the world, but I succeed because I keep going and going and going. The Get Carter star said. When I saw this headline, I was thinking that he intimated that he was broke presently. No, no, not now. Thankfully. He's, he's actually looking back at before, but that actually brings up why I wanted to talk about this, because I think that the last few weeks we've had history last week, the week before that we had people on the rebound, right? All of these stories about people making something out of Nothing out of really not much. I mean, at what point does being broke go from being your horror story to, you know what, this is reality today, but I can, but I can beat this. And if you're looking for some motivation, this is a great story. If you don't know Sylvester Stallone's story about how he had to sell his dog to keep feeding himself and put shelter over his head while he was still trying to market the first Rocky movie. Everybody wanted to buy the movie, but they didn't want him in it. He had that one thing that he knew he needed, which was he needed to star in the movie. Yeah. And I think he was offered like half a million dollars or something, which, you know, and then what was that? 1970 something? Early 1970s? Sure. Late 1970s? Yeah, it's a crap load of money now. It was even more 40 years ago. So 50 years ago. So he stuck to it. I think the stick to itiveness is a great part of it. The do everything you have to do to succeed is a great part of it. I think just also recognize that wherever you are, it's temporary. You know, how you view what you're thinking about is how you view it. It's really kind of trite to say, but in other parts of the world, like our poorest people are the richest people there. You know what I mean? And that doesn't really help if you're trying to pay today's gas prices or food prices and you're in the United States and that sort of stuff. Or just even figure out where you're going to sleep. Yeah, but it's temporary. You can do something. And I think as long as you have the most optimistic viewpoint, there's a great part in one of Tim Ferriss's books. I think it was that the Tool of Titans. He asked him, most people what books they recommend. And, and one person, I don't remember who this was, says that he recommended Matt Ridley's Rational Optimist a whole bunch. Because the more optimistic you are, statistically, the more likely things are going to go your way. Isn't that wild? So, you know, when you're kind of down in the dumps, the promotion didn't come through, when the raise didn't happen, when the, you know, grades didn't go the way that you wanted to, and the college selection, you have to go to a different school, and, you know, wherever you happen to be, choose the happier side of that, and statistically, you're going to be better off anyway, so... I remember hearing this when I was in my darkest days, which was that phrase that the past does not equal the future. Mm -hmm. Just because yesterday was that does not mean I got to wake up today and continue what happened yesterday. I can wake up and at least try for something different. And by the way, there's a key piece here, OG, which is that that whole time that Stallone was optioning the script for Rocky and refused to take the answer that he was given, which is that he wouldn't star. There was never any assurance that that was going to go his way, right? that that was going to go really well. Speaking of Len Penzo, Len will tell you this story about a song he wrote that was pretty damn good, and people offered to buy it from him, and he said, no, I want to sing it. They said, no, you're not going to sing it. We want to buy it. You're the, not we, that good. We want to buy the song without you. And Len turned it down, and guess what? He still owns the rights to that <laughs> song today. <laughs> he, he was trying to pull a... Stallone, and it didn't quite work. There is no assurance that it's going to go the way that you want it to go. Yeah. But you have to try. You know what I mean? You have to... You you said the past doesn't equal the future, but I think it's also true your past is what you decide it is. 
You know, if you want it to be this terrible experience, then that's what it is. If you think about it like a great learning experience, which is what this article is about here with Sylvester Stallone, what a great opportunity to reflect back and go, now that I have some financial success, I remember what it's like to not have that. I'm glad I got that learning out of the way. And I don't have to learn it now in my 70s. I learned it when I was in my 20s. It's a good time to learn those things. And when you're thinking about money decisions, we all make dumb, dumb money decisions, some more frequently than others. But um, if you're trying to dig yourself out of something, you know, you just figured out a way how not to do something. <laughs> you know, like, well, that doesn't work. The like Thomas the Thomas Edison, Edison piece, right? <laughs> yeah. Good stuff there. Hey, it's time for our TikTok Minute. Meredith sent us a TikTok OG for us to peruse. Our TikTok Minute is where sometimes we roll our eyes. Sometimes we get some inspiration. Who knows what's going to happen during the TikTok minute, but let's take a listen. I think it's time to finally address the elephant in the room. What are you talking about? Not every single decision you make in your life has to make financial sense. What does that even mean though? It means when you took your family out to dinner the other night, that probably didn't make the most financial sense, but you did it anyway, and that's okay. It's okay to spend money for the simple fact of enjoying things. Now, obviously, there's an extreme side to this, so sacrifice where you need to and splurge on the things that are important to you. Wow. Little voice of reason going on there on TikTok. You're not supposed to exactly optimize everything in your life. What is what is up with that? I freeze the exact number of ice cubes necessary to cool my drink. <laughs> I've saved 11 cents a day on water. I always have three extras, though, just in case the day gets the best of me. To put in your wine? Yes. <laughs> I just need to optimize my wine consumption for that night, if you know what I mean. You know, uh, while I do wholeheartedly agree, and thanks, Meredith, for that, that optimizing everything could be crazy, OG, I think people do have to realize, too, there is a downside when you decide not to do the optimal thing. In other words, he was talking about, hey, just because it wasn't optimal to take your family out to dinner last night doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. No, but it also means that you're spending dollars at the Olive Garden that are not going to be used for something else. There still is the other side of the stick. And as long as you're okay with that, then I'd say, yeah, good. Yesterday was National Scotch Day, and I got an email from my favorite steakhouse that they were having dinner and a scotch tasting. I was the only one home at the time. The family was at a water park, and I thought, I, I deserve this. You could celebrate National Scotch Day by yourself. <laughs> this is me. This has got me written all over it. However, the power of inertia was very strong as I was firmly planted on the couch, and suddenly everyone was home. And we uh, made the choice to kind of downshift a little bit from nice steakhouse scotch day to Jimmy John's. So I feel pretty good about optimizing that decision. Was it, Jim- get Jimmy, John's. Was it Jimmy John's and scotch? No, just, just tap water. So you didn't celebrate scotch day at all? I did not. No, I optimized and got Jimmy John's. Optimized. I don't think I'd call Jimmy John's optimizing. Wouldn't you call that uh, declaring a truce? Well, I was also getting ready in case I had to run a marathon today. So I ate a loaf of bread with one piece of turkey on it and copious amounts of mayonnaise. Smart move. Strategery. Hashtag optimization. Thank you, Meredith, for that lovely, rational person on TikTok. Who's the rational person on TikTok? By the way, we're on TikTok. Oh, yeah? Yes. I actually made a TikTok video and I didn't dance either stackybenjamins.com or excuse me joe at stackybenjamins.com uh if you want to send me a tiktok video that you found about the wily world of finance good stuff meredith thanks for sharing Uh, you know what i just heard the door open upstairs and mr penzo is upstairs i believe talking to mom brown bagging it here he comes so we got to get out of here doug come on come on hey let's see what mr doug is up to stackers i'm joe's mom's neighbor doug and did you know that construction of the tower of pisa began this day back in 1173 of course you did just like mom's best fruit cakes it only took two centuries to complete can you imagine the horror of the dude who figured out early on that it might be leaning i mean imagine you hire a contractor for a two-week job and he waits another 199 years to mention that construction might not be going perfectly. Hopefully the owners had a 0% financing on that building loan. You know, I've actually got 
a money idea for what they should have done. But first, the Italian history continues. Here's an organization that pulled in tons of cash over the centuries, the Catholic Church. The Sistine Chapel in their corporate headquarters called the Vatican opened this day in 1483. So today's question is, who painted the famous ceiling? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can put some mozzarella on your pepperoni. Well, stackers, when you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. It can be such a struggle buying a car, whether you're buying it from a person or if you're buying it from a dealer. And frankly, the bank doesn't usually make it easier. You get this big hassle and run around, have to wait in line and then get the big credit check, which can take forever and be approved for the loan. And hopefully do that ahead of time, because if you do it after you purchase the car or agree to purchase a car from another person, well, then you have issues. Now, if you could buy a car cash only, that's a great way to do it. But if you need payments and then looking for all of the stuff you need to figure out what payment is going to be best for your budget after you've negotiated the price can be a hassle. So that's why Navy Federal's created a fully loaded car buying experience to smooth out that process. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. They have low rates and pre-approval. It's good for 90 days. So you know when you're walking around what you can afford while you shop. You can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar. And you'll also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, Geico, and SiriusXM. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. The Navy. Arg, navyfederal.org forward slash car buying. Much better. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Your actual savings off MSRP may vary. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured, federally insured, my goodness, by NCUA. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30 day free trial. When you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad free privacy. You can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, Staggers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. So if you're headed to Rome, you're going to see a ton of buildings made of marble. Differentiate people. I mean, come on. In Italy, 
old marble stuff is a dime a dozen. Or uh, is that a, a, a lira a dozen? Huh. Well, either way, two words. Boring. So how about this? What if they made another leaning tower, but this time out of, wait for the genius, pizza. Pizza. I mean, get it? Leaning tower of pizza. You can even sell floors as a souvenir. Don't even try to steal the idea, kids. I've already got it trademarked. And better yet, instead of taking two centuries, it could be hot and ready in 30 minutes on 425 degrees Fahrenheit. I know, it's amazing. But so is today's trivia answer because the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican opened this month in 1483. And I asked you, who painted the famous ceiling? If you guessed Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean Da Vinci, you'd be wrong. Also, not Raphael or Donatello. It's the lamest of the Ninja Turtles, Michelangelo. On that note, let's get this over to Joe to learn about the rising price of sandwiches with the man himself, award-winning blogger, Len Penzel. Well, it's that time of year again. Mr. Len Penzo joins us in the basement. How are you, dude? Well, I am doing just fine. A little earlier than we're used to in the morning here. So I've got my coffee, but I'm ready to go. It's supposed to be non-specific time of day because we don't know oh, when okay. we, we don't know when they're listening. What are you doing? Oh, well, I'm <laughs> so I'm just trying to break the what is that? The second wall, third wall, I'm, fourth I'm wall, casting third wall, fifth wall, third wall, whatever. Yeah, fifth wall. Yes, that's it. I was just trying to do that. So no, I'm not drinking anything. Uh, whatever, fill in your beverage. Do do your magic. <laughs> I'm drinking. Because it's that time of day again. Perfect. Yes. And I'm get, I'm feeling all because it's that time of day. <laughs> right. This is the 13th year that you've done the sandwich survey, which it feels like you just started this yesterday, Len. With it being the 13th year, 13, unlucky usually. But if you're a sandwich eater, let's just start there. Is this a lucky year for sandwich eaters or unlucky year? Well, I guess that depends if you like paying more for your sandwiches or not. So uh, I'd say it's if you're a sandwich lover, it's kind of a down year for you because that means you're going to be paying more. The good news is, you know, making your own sandwiches is still so inexpensive. I mean, compared to going out to eat or picking up something at a fast food joint. I mean, it's still no contest. So we're kind of quibbling about, you know, fly poop and the pepper there. You you started this because you were looking at the cost of the school lunch for your two kids. Tell me that story. You know, back when my kids were younger and we were on a tighter budget at the time too, but you know, the kids had the option of eating at school lunch every day. I can't remember what it was at the time. It was a buck and a buck and a half, maybe a lunch. Even then I was like, gee, can, can I do this cheaper? I mean, is it really cheaper to, I mean, it sounded reasonable. I was like, but is it cheaper to, to make your own? You know, what, what would it cost, you know, to put everything together for our kids and make the stuff at home? How much would I be saving? And I turned out that it was half the cost basically. So it was very interesting. And then, and then once I did that, I said, well, I wanted to share the results. And so I started the survey, you know, within two years, I mean, it, I got picked up CBS uh, take television, uh, the news there in Los Angeles, uh, picked it up and I got it on TV. And then after that, I was like, well, Hey, people really like this stuff. So I started doing it every year after that. So, and then you got on the stacking Benjamin show. And then I got on Stacking Benjamin. So I was like, now I have no choice but to keep doing this. <laughs> you got to. But it's healthier too, Len. Of course it is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, have you ever seen some of you know, the pictures of those school lunches? First off, they look terrible. They look unappetizing. I don't know how the kids could even want to eat that. Compare that to something that you can make at home. Yes, it's healthier. I mean, you control what you're putting in your child's bodies. And um, it's just better all around. The cost of a school lunch has seen enormous inflation then. If you were looking at a dollar eighty, a dollar seventy, you said this year it's a much, much bigger number. Yeah, it's um according to schoolnutrition.org, which is where I got the latest information. This is the cost of the school districts, three dollars and eighty-one cents. So I'm gonna assume that the schools are charging roughly the same amount. I'm sure they don't want to make money and they're not gonna try to lose money. So yeah. My local school district last year it was uh, three seventy five, so that that seems pretty pretty close. So let's talk about the methodology for people that are new to this study. Uh, you use one grocery store to try to keep that the same. Use the same ingredients. Yep. Yep. Do you stick with the same 
company? Like if you're buying bologna, do you buy the same bologna every year? How does that work? No, because here's what I'm thinking. If you're on a tight budget, your brand loyalty, I would suspect, comes second to the lowest cost. So what I have always done is for all the products on the list, the components that make up the sandwiches, I go to the absolute cheapest unit cost I can find on the shelf. Now, usually that results in very little change there in, in company. So it's usually the store brand that ends up being the cheapest, but sometimes that's not the case. So the answer is it's always the cheapest items, products on the shelf. And then when you say it's the store brand, you've also done plenty of a taste test. You use your family as, as guinea pigs. And like I've said, when you want to redo the the ice cream one line, I'm in. I will fly there. I'm, <laughs> I'm good on the ice cream one again. But you often find that the store brand, if not the tastiest, is usually not the least tastiest by far. Oh, I, you know what? I think I've done 14 or 15 different taste test challenges with store brand versus national brand. And of course, store brand is always cheaper. And I would, I think the store brand has actually won the taste test challenge or placed very high. Sometimes I'll have four or five items on that, you know, one product. It, it's up in the top two, probably 60, 70% of the time, believe it or not. The honeybee and I, we just had, uh, we made some hash browns <laughs> uh, the other day. We used the store brand. Oh, they were phenomenal. I I, I was just raving about them to our friends uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, just how good they are. So, yes, don't be don't let the store brand uh, uh, dissuade you from buying. I was at a small get together last night. We were talking about that with vodka, about how the standard deviation between like, don't get me wrong, a bad vodka is a really bad vodka. But between a mediocre vodka and a gray goose, there's a huge price difference and not that much change. But I can I can take a sandwich survey and turn it into alcohol, which I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> but let's talk about the 10 sandwiches that you do. Bologna, PB&J, American cheese, turkey and Swiss, egg salad, ham and Swiss, salami, tuna salad, roast beef and cheddar, and the king or queen of them all, the BLT, which holy cow, the BLT is amazing. But before we get to the sandwiches and comparing those, let's just go to the ingredients this year versus last year, where was the biggest change in ingredient prices? This year, there were two items that uh, – actually, three items that made humongous jumps in price. Bologna or Bologna, depending on how what your version – how you'd like to say it, <laughs> was the big price rise this year. It went up 53%. Almost half of what it was uh, last year it went up that much. So very surprising, which is – Amazing because bologna has been 12 out of the 13 years I've done the survey. It's been at the top as the cheapest sandwich. As, as the cheapest. Yeah. yeah. And I prefer bologna. I'm like one of your readers. I was reading the comments on the survey and they said, you know, bologna makes you sound like a snob. Come on, let's be real. Yes, <laughs> they did say that. They did say something about, they said something like vase or vase or something right. like that. So they don't say vase or vase and they, they say Baloney, not bologna. Which if you want yeah, some good I'm comments, kind of read the comments on any post at limepenzo.com and they're so fun. But is there a reason for that? Up 53%, that's a huge I, jump. I don't know because there's different meats, right? We've got roast beef, we've got turkey, we've got bologna, we've got bacon. It was split on which ones went up and which ones down. Roast beef was the one of the other big movers upwards this year, up 46%. That's a monster number two. Monstrous move. And then the other really big mover was mustard, the condiment mustard, which also went up 50%. Although to uh, be fair, mustard had a tremendous price drop two years ago. So it kind of, what it did is, is reverted back to the mean. So mustard was on heavy sale for the last two years. Mustard farmers kind of finally getting their redemption. Yes, they're getting their money. Yes, they are. <laughs> hey, you ever, a lot, you ever see those mustard seeds? How small those things are? Right. That's a lot of work. Got to sell a lot of, got to, got to sell a lot of mustard seeds to make a buck. Yep. One other, the other two big kind of semi big movers in the cheese category, all the cheeses went up either for uh, American and cheddar went up 14%. Swiss cheese went up 29%. Tuna went up 19%. And uh, let's see, was that the rest of the big movers? Those were the biggest of the big movers. I think that covered those. On the other side, you had some lower, some prices actually drop this year, which with everything that's gone horribly with distribution and transportation cost, and I would think everything would have gone up, but turkey was a lot cheaper. 
Yeah, I, you know what? And there you go. And that's where the, I find the nuggets in these surveys. It's like, you know, my grocery bill's been going up. I mean, it's noticeable for the last, you know, six, seven months, noticeably going up. But Turkey is a refuge there, down 21% from last year. And let's see, anything else was went down big? The tomato. Only other thing that really, tomato, the, the tomato went down 17%, which is interesting. The bacon, lettuce, and tomato, all the ingredients for the BLT went, except for the mayo, which barely budged, went down this year. Great news. So yeah, it's good news if you like BLTs. <laughs> the tomato though, I love what you said in the the piece, and we'll link to it on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. But I love that you said, you know what, Len, the price of a tomato went down, but you made this great point that have a garden. And we've talked about this with Frankie Chalenza, the chef, when he was on the show, get a garden and make it in your garden because you made this point about the difference between buying a tomato and a garden made tomato. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm sure most, most of your listeners have eaten a homegrown tomato and they're compared to the stuff that you get at the store, you know, on the shelf. I mean, there, there's almost no flavor compared to the homegrown tomato and homegrown tomatoes are so easy to grow. My biggest challenge is I'm always fighting. I have to fight off the squirrels that, that just in, in the other rounds that get to them before I do. Cause and they, they only eat, they only eat half of them. And then they throw the rest in the yard to taunt me, you know? <laughs> so. but they know a good tasting thing too. Oh, they certainly do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So let's dive in then. Now we have the cost of the, and, and, and by the way, we talked about cost difference versus last year. Let's just go though to true cost. The cheapest condiment on here is, hey, if you want to have a mustard sandwich still, even with a price increase of 50%, it's still three cents a serving, right? Yeah, and then mayonnaise, I think mayonnaise, I'm, I'm just surveying this. So tell me if I get this wrong. Mayonnaise looks like it's number two cheapest. Then strawberry jelly at nine cents. Yep. Yep. Serving, that's correct. And, and then, then uh, lettuce. Oh, and bread. The bread. bread is still, yeah. You know, now to be fair, this again, this is, uh, I always go with wheat bread. It always turns out to be the store brand uh, wheat bread. And to be fair, it is not as substantial as if you get maybe a name. That is one area where if you get a name brand bread, it's much heartier. Okay, so the wheat bread that I've got here, it's not as hearty, but hey, it still makes a great sandwich and it's still cheap. It's 13 cents for two slices. You is, know? So, Have you looked at these, the serving size? Because one thing we're starting to hear about again, Len, that we I haven't heard about for a couple of years much is shrinkflation. This idea that, hey, we're going to leave the cost per serving the same. We're just going to make a serving smaller, right? Yeah. Well, it, the servings... Generally, they don't change the serving size. The serving size stays the same. What they change is the number of servings in the container, okay? But there was one interesting change in serving size that we did notice this year, and the honeybee and I noticed it this just the other day. We had tuna melts, and she noticed, and I missed it. The can of tuna, it still said five ounces, but and, – and hey, in the past, a can of tuna used to be seven ounces, by the way. It's It's – dropped two ounces in over the last uh, 15 years or so. Now that can of tuna this year, it's still a five ounce can, but it says four ounces of dry weight. So they fooled me. One of those ounces was, was water. So now it's four ounces with one ounce of water they put on there. So uh, yeah, you got to watch. But overall, you didn't see a ton of that. No, no. Like I said, the serving sizes don't generally change. They, that's the first time I've ever seen something like that change ever. So it's time for the drum roll. Last year, let, let's talk about last year. The cheapest sandwich was? Was the bologna sandwich. Like I said, there was only one year the bologna sandwich has not come in first or shared first. It has shared first several times with PBG, PB&J. I think it's shared it uh, four times. But last year, it was the sole champion and I forget what it was. It was, uh, let me look real quick here. Uh, PB&J was uh, 41 cents. Oh, I'm sorry, bologna. We're on bologna. bologna it was, was 34 cents. 34, 34 cents. cents last year. Yes. This year, it's still in first. After that, despite the 50% increase in the price of bologna, it still clung to the a tie for first with the PB&J at 43 cents per sandwich. But PB&J did move into a tie this time. Yes, it did. It tied it. So they, it, it definitely, it tied it only the price, its price went up 5%. The price of the bologna sandwich went up 26% this year. Wow. And then the cheese yeah. sandwich in third, uh, up 11%. I remember the listener, Correct. of course, the, 
the listener telling us that that was child abuse, of course. A- <laughs> well, now here's the other thing. I, we always say, that, look, you can have your American cheese, just plain American, or you could make it tasty. You can make a grilled cheese. A grilled still an cheese. That, that's still an American cheese sandwich. And you put mayo on it too. Of course. You have yeah. to. Yeah, of course. Uh, was that so? That's in third place, sixty-eight yes. cents, a appreciable yes. jump, and eleven yeah. percent higher. Was that in third place last year? Uh, yes, it was. The top six positions did not change, unless you want to count PB and J going from number two to tying for first. Turkey so, and yeah, Swiss at no number change. four, about the same. Egg salad okay. about the same at seventy-two cents. Ham and yeah. Swiss up slightly, well, up 7%. I say that's probably, you know, look at inflation, a 7%, a pretty big number. Uh, one uh, right. Well, a, and a it's just 20. over the average this year. This The sandwich prices have been climbing steadily since 2018. So this year it went up 6% and change. So it's, the Ham and Swiss was just a little bit higher than the rest of the sandwiches on ha, average. Has, you know, BLT is the king or queen of sandwiches. Has that always been the most expensive one on your list? All but one year, it has always been the most expensive. The interesting thing about BLT, and I just noticed this this year, it is a counter-cyclical indicator. So at least since 2014, it's when the price of sandwiches were in general, overall, were going down. The BLT between 2014 and 2018 went up. But now that for the last three or four years, the price of sandwiches have been going up, the price of the BLT has been coming down, which is great news for people. I mean, it's closing the gap. Yes, sandwich price, sandwiches prices are going up, but the BLT, the, the, as you say, the king or queen of sandwiches is coming down. It's only 266 this year. It's still the most expensive, but it, the, its price fell 7% this year, and it's one of the cheapest it's ever been in the survey. So there you go. I mean, enjoy. And, and think about this too, Joe. A Big Mac is three ninety nine at, at just a plain, but you go into McDonald's, you go to order a Big Mac, three ninety nine for a Big Mac. Well, I make yourself a BLT for two sixty six. Then you can throw in, you know, you throw in the banana for a quarter. You throw in a bag of chips for, you know, get the big variety packs, thirty three cents a, for a, a pack in those variety packs. You can put in a pudding pack. The variety pack there that's fifty cents a pudding, and uh, a juice box for a quarter. You know that's only uh, that's three ninety nine, just about two sixty six and a dollar thirty three. It's three ninety nine, or you can just get a plain Big Mac at McDonald's. I did some homework on the Big Mac front. I'm glad you brought that up. The Economist every year does a Big Mac index where they look at the price of a Big Mac around the world and they're using it in a different way than you're using it, Len. You're looking at inflation over the last 13 years. They're actually looking at uh, currencies against each other, seeing that a Big Mac has so many different pieces to it. I mean, there's transportation costs, there's packaging, there's the cost of the ingredients, there's the wages that they're paying the people. So you have all these costs. So the, the Big Mac to the economist is a pretty good indicator of real inflation versus the consumer price index, which as you know, is kind of smoke and mirrors, right? But but they say the average cost of a Big Mac in general on a bigger macro scale than you're talking about, I think it's 551. So if you look at $5.51 for a Big Mac, and by the way, the cost of a Big Mac, I go back to uh, the year 2000, a Big Mac, according to another, well, no, according to The Economist here, is around, and I'm going to have to eyeball this a little bit because it's on a chart, about $2.70, $2.60 uh, uh, worldwide. So you look at $2.60 or $2.70 versus five fifty one, and then you look at the price of a school lunch, the amount that that's gone up, it appears to me, am I seeing this wrong? Is the price of making your own sandwich at home going up in costs? much slower than the cost of a Big Mac? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, 6% is – my grocery bill has gone up more than 6% this year. But I, the cost of a sandwich this year went up 6%. And that's two years in a row it's gone up 6%. So in 2018, the average cost of a sandwich was uh, $0.93. Cents. I'm wow. looking at a graph, so forgive me if I'm off by a penny. And it's now we're up to a dollar thirteen. So it's it's climbed uh, it's climbed twenty cents in the last three years. And you so, think about uh, the aggregate dollar thirteen sandwich versus a Big Mac, like the the calorie count, the <laughs> nutritional value. Yeah, it's still a bargain. I mean, it's still I mean compared to to everything else, it's st- you can't beat it, Joe. It's like yes, the price has gone up, 
but it's still so reasonable, especially for you parents out there who have kids. Don't torture your kids with the school lunch when you can just take a little time, take five minutes and give them that, that healthy school lunch. It's cheaper and, um, and it's going to taste better and your kids will thank you. Is that the big takeaway? That certainly is the big takeaway. I, I don't think I can top that, Joe. <laughs> Well, Mr. Penzo, thanks a ton for hanging out with us and talking about the price of a sandwich again. It's always our favorite, as you know, our favorite time of the year. Oh, it's my pleasure, Joe. I, you know what? I really enjoy doing this now. I'm never going to stop. It's just so, uh, it's so interesting to me. Well, I'm going to have a BLT. <laughs> me too. Hey, this is John in Seattle. And when I'm not telling terrible dad jokes to anyone who will listen, I'm stacking Benjamins. Oh, I love Mr. Penzo. Brings it every year, OG. Brings it every stinking year. It's such an innovative way of, of thinking about rising costs, and and I'm glad it uh, popped in his head uh, 12, 13 years ago and has continued. When he finally retires from his job with a man, I can't imagine. the His blog is already so good. I can't imagine when you give Len even more time, like what that blog's going to be like yeah. because uh, he's a force of nature. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency put what you value first. Well, I was thinking about sandwiches. What's your favorite sandwich on that list? Oh, it's totally like Len, BLT. Really? Yeah. Although the roast beef and Swiss, also delicious. Yeah, neither. Yeah, I can't do Swiss. Huh? I do some roast beef around here. So I'm thinking sandwiches. Sandwiches are my most important thing right now. I will tell you, I haven't had a PB&J in a long time. And I'll go on kicks where that stuff just tastes great. Just Mm -hmm. fantastic. And then I won't have one for a year and a half. And then I'll have like six in a week or a day. Don't judge me. Put peanut butter in my protein shakes. That's good. Mm, That does sound good. Uh, Our friends Haven Life Insurance Agency say that uh, your loved ones and your time is what you should value first. It's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life and you get a free term life insurance quote. Application is super simple. It's online. Bam, you get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices, and all their policies are offered through Mass Mutual, a more than 100 year old insurer. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to Doug's friend, Anna. Say hi, Anna. Hey, Joe and OG. My name is Anna from McKinney, and I met Doug down at the Sizzler a couple years back, and he told me, all about the show that you guys are helping him run over here. He told me to go ahead and send you a message so that he can help answer it on air. So since my total income makes me ineligible to contribute to a Roth IRA, I'm planning to do a backdoor conversion from my traditional IRA. My question is, can I go back and then fund the traditional IRA as well? Or did I just max out my contributions even though I eventually moved them into a Roth? I will definitely be asking a tax professional come tax season next year, but I just want to make sure that I'm setting myself up for success before that happens. As always, thanks for nothing, you guys. But if you ever do a live show in Texas, I will be sure to bring you all some barbecue. See ya. Oh, Anna. Awesome. Stop it. Aren't all of our shows live in Texas? Please, please stop it. Yes. Well, she's talking about not 800 yards into Texas. Actually, oh. more. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, but deep in the heart of Texas. I eat breakfast 800 yards from a whole line of Arkansas who are trained to kill me. And don't think you can come in here for a moment. And Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Nice. Good pull there. And by the way, Anna, there's no way that we're letting Doug back near the microphone to answer this question, but... We do have good news as we are finalizing our tour. I can say that if we do live shows, Dallas is going to be one of the live shows. And uh, that may be in, if we do it, it'll be in early January of next year. Yep. That's the plan, huh? We're going to have an announcement uh, shortly, but Dallas is definitely on the short list. Uh, What you got, OG? Regardless of whether or not you are doing a conversion from a uh, IRA to a Roth, the maximum that you can put into an IRA plan, whether it's IRA, Roth, deductible, non-deductible, whatever, the maximum is still 6000 if you're under age 50. 
where you run into some issues is whether or not you're eligible to do it based on your income. So like uh, she was talking about there, uh, if you make too much money, you can't put money in a Roth. You, you, if your income is too high, they don't allow it. Um, but you can do an IRA. You could do a non-deductible IRA, depending on whether or not you have the availability of an option with your 401k plan and that sort of thing. So most people who are too high of earners for Roth IRAs just do a non-deductible IRA contribution. So you put the 6000 into your IRA, you wait some period of time, and then you convert it to a Roth. If you do that for 10 years in a row, and you just do the non-deductible contributions, but you don't do any conversions, then you can put this year 6000 in and convert all 60000 if you want. Those, those two transactions are separate and distinct. They don't have to be the same. But you're still limited to $6,000 per year per person under age 50, 7000 if you're above, in terms of total contributions. When you decide to do the conversion, completely different issue. But most people kind of do it in the same year, basically. I think that was kind of the, the gist of the question, wasn't it? No, absolutely. You nailed it. Yes. Two, two separate things. And, and by the way, Anna, this is a really good move. And for people that don't know OG, how good a move this is, moving money over to that Roth side when you have the opportunity, I think is is something that I think more people should look into. Well, especially if you get a tax refund every year, if you are looking at your income taxes and you say, hey, you know, I get this $3,000 refund and I've got an IRA for my old job. Why would you not just do a $20,000 conversion and just slowly drip that money away? If you don't need that tax money, if you're not using it for cash flow, and clearly you're not because you're withholding it and sending it to the government every year. But I think it's opportunistic, especially, I mean, we're not trying to predict where tax rates are going, but I kind of feel like maybe they're going to go up. Seems to make sense. And uh, the higher earnings that you have, the more that you're going to be taxed. And it's almost like that HSA argument. You know, we talk about optimizing everything and all that sort of stuff. And then we had that person on a couple of, I don't know, months ago that said, screw that. Just use the HSA as you need it. And forget about trying to just like the money's here, use it. Don't try to save receipts for 28 years and then try to, you know, because who knows what's going to happen 28 years from now. You've got a hospital bill today, pay it. And I kind of wonder if that's sort of the same approach we should have about Roth IRAs versus, you know, conversions and, you know, the pre post tax type of type of discussion that goes on, like how much, how do I optimize that? It's like, who cares? Just get the money in the tax-free side of things. You've got a job, you've got the ability to pay the taxes today. Like just kind of load up that side and get that flexibility going on, on that side. So play the game you've uh, got right in front of you right now, instead of trying to predict where the future is going to, going to go. Yeah. All I know is tax-free money is sweet. So the more, the merrier. That's it. There's your answer, Anna. Tax-free money is sweet. Sounds like a t-shirt. If you, It does seem like a t-shirt, doesn't it? That's our new slogan, TM. Got to put a TM on the end of that now. Uh, thanks for the question, Anna. You got a question for us like Anna does. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And that leads you to the Haven Lifeline where you too can see if you can stump the OG. Didn't happen today. Did not happen today. Could happen though. Do we send people like two pieces of swag if they stump you? If they get an sure. I don't know out of you? Is that what we do? How about I get swag from you? <laughs> You're going to be saying I don't know all the time then. Like, oh. No, I mean the other way around. We stop giving out swag and instead... Unless you stump him. Yeah. No, that's not fair. No, not at all. But it sounds fun. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail for that. All right. Uh, speaking of, we got just a few things left here. Thanks to everybody who hung out with us in Nashville, Tennessee. We had such a great time meeting a bunch of stackers and had a lot of our podcasting friends join us when we were there for podcast movement. We will be hitting the road in early 2022 to Anna's point, and that will include some live shows. One live show is already on the books, and that's going to be at the University of Cincinnati in mid-November. That's live show Cincinnati November 12th. And that's part, by the way, of the kickoff of the Economy Conference, which if you're interested in uh, great speakers and financial talk, it's going to be a great weekend. That's The conference is Saturday and Sunday, and it's economyconference.com. Diana Merriam, who during our live shows, as you've heard, sometimes stands in for Doug. Diana puts on a heck of a conference. I'll be speaking there. The Bitches Get Riches blog 
they will be there. Uh, Kirsten from Rich and Regular will be there. A lot of your favorite uh, voices in the personal finance space. But live show, OG, me, Doug, the team, and a special guest to be announced later. I've got a guest in mind, OG, and I'm hoping they can come. And maybe we can get Brad, who does our shirts. When we did our Detroit show, he drove up from Cincinnati and was uh, played our musical riffs live. We can see if... See if he's bored. Yeah, see if Brad will Brad will join us. Hopefully he can. All right, that's going to do it for today. Hey, if you have more than financial planning questions, you just want to make better decisions on a much more frequent basis and realize that you need better financial planning help in your corner, OG and his team are taking clients. So head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG. That's the link to OG's calendar. And that'll set up the meeting with OG and his team to talk about how their team can interface with yours so that you make better money decisions in the future. All right. That's going to do it for today. I think Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from Sylvester Stallone. When you get knocked down, you got to get back up again. Second, inflation is real, people. Not just in gas and lumber, but also in peanut butter and jelly. But the big lesson. Instead of sandwiches next year, Len, you should look at pizza ingredients. Because what kid doesn't love a cold slice of three-day-old pizza for lunch? To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. To read the sandwich study for yourself and see what else Len Penzo has to say, head over to lenpenzo.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2021, and is created by Joe Saul Cihai. Our producer is Karen Rapine. The show is written by Taylor Stevens with help from Joe and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen, check out our show notes page written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. Brooke and Joe also collaborate on a guide to the show and with lots of extras we couldn't include on today's podcast. Heck, they'll also throw in some life money lessons from Joe and it's all free. It's called The Stacker and you'll find it at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. Once we get all of this goodness bottled up, it goes over to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart, who helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to talk about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group, The Basement. She also is our social media coordinator, so say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. She and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. For a URL that'll take you right to our Facebook group, by the way, type stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, reminding you in the words of Stephen Wright, if at first you don't succeed, then skydiving is probably not your thing. So many things I've seen lately. There is, and I'm trying to just point out to either the high, big highlights, OG, or the low, low lights. This is a series that Cheryl and I finished season two of just a couple of weeks ago. It is a British series called Trying. We can't sit at home waiting for news about adoptions. Oh, what? We're never going to find a kid. They go so quickly. It's this is you. What? You took too long again. Yeah, but it's difficult choosing a child from a photograph, isn't it? You want to get in there, kick the tires a little bit. Yeah. I mean. 
Are you set on a girl? Girls tell you what they're feeling. They know how to ask for help. You just sit on the sofa hugging a cushion, sighing louder and louder until someone asks you <laughs> what's wrong. Boys are uncomplicated. You all right then? Yeah. Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. Boys are very uncomplicated. Yeah. You good? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Good. This TV show Cheryl and I discovered on Apple TV, and just as an aside, OG, Apple TV was something that we got for just a little bit to watch the morning show, which I didn't love. I thought was all right. It kind of follows a fictionalized version of the Matt Lauer controversy at NBC. It was a very dark show, as you can imagine that that subject matter would would definitely be. But then I heard about another dark show called Tehran, which we talked about here in the past. And uh, Tehran was amazing. And then Ted Lasso came out and holy cow, best thing I saw in 2020 was Ted Lasso. And then as we were searching, we saw this uh, show about two people trying to have a baby, realizing that they can't, and then deciding that they're going to adopt a baby. And season one is all about their deciding to and trying to be approved uh, through the UK system to adopt a child. And then season two, now they are in line to adopt a child and they are dealing with all the disappointments and setbacks. Uh, that come along along the way. What I like best about this show is it has so much fun with the little things in life, with these little moments that even though they are specific to this couple, they at the same time are things that I think a lot of us have lived through. And I'll give you an example. He gets a bicycle because he wants to be healthier biking to work. If they're going to have a kid, OG, he wants to be pretty healthy doing it. Makes sense, right? So far, so good. Well, she's afraid because she reads too many tabloids that he is going to get hit by a bus on his bike. And so she doesn't want him to get hit by a bus. She doesn't want to be a single parent. So she actually gives the bike away and tells him it's been stolen. And then later on, <laughs> later on uh, they're walking through the neighborhood and... Uh, a woman goes by on his bike and he's like, that's who stole my bike. And he starts running after the person, hunting him down when she knows that she gave that, that person the bike. And it creates this uh, unfortunate instance. So one thing I'll say is that for me, U.S. Midwest, the accent sometimes got a little strong. I loved it once I turned on the subtitles and I could get the entire thing because there were times when they just spoke fast and I couldn't tell what they were saying. And I got used to the subtitles very quickly and the show was hilarious. It was charming. It's people trying their best. And in fact, it's funny, the name trying, and I don't know that this gives anything away, but I realized partway through season one that trying while that name is ostensibly about them trying to get pregnant and then trying to adopt a baby. It really is just people trying just trying to live life from their careers to their friendships, to their family situation. I love this show. I'd never hear anything about this show, which is why I wanted to bring it up here. Trying is a big uh, thumb up for me there. Once again, Apple TV, not a lot on there, but what's on there. I've really liked like there are five things on Apple TV that I really like, but beyond that, it just seems like, uh, I don't know, there's not much there. And I thought, really, do we need Apple TV? And yet I look at my favorite shows, most of them on Apple TV. So what do you do? Add another subscription, I guess, huh? Unfortunately, maybe. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond 
Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.